Welcome to the Gigabyte Weekly Podcast. This week's episode, we're talking about blockchain and blockchain applications. We're going to talk about the different use cases for blockchain, as it's become one of these tech buzzwords that you'll hear everywhere, and now you're going to understand it. Enjoy. And as per usual, I am joined by James again. James, I'll ask you again. How are you? Doing very good, Sam. Very happy to be on episode five now of the podcast. Is it episode five already? Already. Wow. Okay, so James, as I said in the introduction, we're going to be talking about the blockchain. And, you know, this is a crypto podcast and it's kind of weird how we haven't really gone to the the crux of the technology itself behind crypto. And that is blockchain. Blockchain is the underlying technology behind Bitcoin, Ethereum, but they all vary a little bit. So James, what is blockchain? Well, Blockchain really is a way of collecting information, and this information is stored on what are known as blocks, which is where the word blockchain comes from. And these blocks all have a storage capacity, and once that storage capacity is hit, it joins the previous block to create a chain. So there we have blockchain, and that chain is impenetrable, basically because blockchain is powered by cryptographic technology. So, you know, super complex passwords, um, hash rates are used to kind of verify every transaction, and everybody on the blockchain has access to every piece of information on the blockchain. So if someone didn't understand what he said there, that's okay. We're going to kind of talk through some real-world examples of where and how this can be used. But not all blockchains are created equal, right? There's a, there's, they vary in, in certain degrees. There's a couple of ways to mine the blockchain, you know, to get the information, to get the, the coin, like the Bitcoin, right? You know, you, you have to mine for Bitcoin. So we'll, before we go on to the different types of blockchain themselves, do you want to talk, and we, we did mention it before, can you talk to us about proof of stake and proof of work and how they relate to the blockchain? Yeah, so proof of stake and proof of work are really how you acquire new coins and how you verify transactions on the chain. So proof of work was the original kind of, uh, it was the original way of acquiring coins. And that's how Many legacy coins such as Dogecoin, Bitcoin, Litecoin are created. So very complex mathematical equations are solved using really powerful computers. And that operation is kind of known as hashing. So the more hash rates a computer can do per second, the more crypto you can acquire through proof of work. But that whole proof of work system is energy intensive, it's carbon intensive, it's heavy, it's loud, you need a humongous warehouse to store all these computers, you need cooling, heating, you know, uh, any damp environment is going to destroy the computers, and we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of computers that then simply get outdated every few years as well, kind of, you know, with the rate of technology, you have to update these computers regularly, so it's very expensive, very inefficient. And anyone that's familiar with uh, computer parts, these, this mining process is why GPU prices have skyrocketed in the last couple of years. That's why you can't buy graphics cards for cheap anymore. They've been because they're they're being bought and put into these mines and warehouses, like James said. Mm. And so, really, where that led us to was kind of proof of stake coins, are a whole new way of acquiring coins and verifying transactions. So instead of having to solve these complex problems, somebody simply has to stake a certain amount of a coin. Now that can be, you know the smallest minute possible amount of coin all the way up to a certain kind of minimum amount. And when you stake that, that, um, those coins, you verify transactions and part of the payment for that verification is new coins. So you're acquiring new coins simply by holding the coins. 
And that's kind of, uh, I mean, not to promote ourselves too much, but that's kind of like the crux of crypto investing these days. It's, it's said to be one of the biggest industries within crypto. You know, stakings are really, it's, it's, it's beneficial for all and it can be quite profitable at the same time. So then James, we said we'd come back to it. So the different types of blockchain applications, you know, so I'll, I'll list a couple and then we'll kind of get you to explain them to us in, in simple terms and kind of give some real world examples. So there are smart contracts, Oracle coins and payment systems. And they're just a couple. There's a lot more, right? You know, like the supply chain management, you know, like many coins and projects create their own blockchain to tackle specific issues that they, they want to solve. Uh, there's any number of those, you know. Um, so I, I suppose, James, a good place to start is smart contracts. You know, we, we've kind of mentioned this once or twice before uh, and Ethereum, you know, our, our listeners should be clued into what Ethereum is, but just in case we have someone new. James, what is Ethereum? So Ethereum is actually a smart contract platform and it's used to create smart contracts. And these smart contracts are powered by Ether, which is the, the native coin of the Ethereum network. And it's also important to mention that, that uh, Ethereum is its own blockchain as well. So, you know, many ICOs, a lot of the entire version of crypto that we know today is powered by Ethereum. It runs on the Ethereum network. And for that reason, Ethereum is by far the most kind of participated blockchain currently available. Okay. And then you said to smart contract, it's a smart contract blockchain, right? So what is a smart contract then? What does it do and why is it why should anyone care? Yeah, so in a nutshell, smart contracts are simply programs stored on a blockchain that run when predetermined conditions are met. And these typically are used to automate kind of the execution of agree of, of an agreement so that all participants can be immediately certain of the outcome without any kind of without any one person having to execute the agreement. So typically there'd be kind of one execution moment. And once that execution moment starts, the the smart contract executes and the the purpose of, of the smart contract starts. And then James, kind of, if you were to give us like an example of where, like in the real world, because all these fancy tech terms, right, for, for the common person, it's not going to really make a lot of sense. Why should anyone care about this? Why should a business or any individual take this on? Like, is there is there a really easy like explanation or a use case that you can kind of talk us through? Yeah, I mean, there's there's numerous types of smart contracts and there's numerous cases where they can be used. But really, the best case is when trust is required and validation is required. And in my opinion, one of the best real world um, kind of use cases for smart contracts are wills. So, you know, when somebody dies, they often leave a will behind to loved ones, family members, friends. And unfortunately, in some circumstances, the family can fight over the, uh, can fight over the will as they might deem it unfair. They might think one person got more than the other. And the problem with a will is the one person who's able to verify a will is the only person there who's not able to oversee the will. So imagine a kind of a scenario where the person who writes the will writes it on on uh, on uh, sorry writes it on the blockchain, and they use a smart contract. And the moment of execution is the uploading of a death certificate. So when you get a doctor to verify this person has died, and just so everyone knows, every single person in almost every country in the world, is, is issued a death cert when they die and the family get to keep it. So it's not hard to get these certs. So the death cert is uploaded, the smart contract gets executed, and all the assets are divided equally instantaneously. And what that does is it reduces lawyer fees, it reduces kind of waiting periods, it reduces family arguments. I mean, there's so many cases of families being ripped apart because they just don't trust each other with the will. Yeah, and I think like trust is like kind of the key word, and you did say that already, but I just to hone it in, you know, 
the blockchain and specifically like smart contracts, anything that requires trust in the future, that can be used through smart contracts, basically, you know, like uh, an agreement between two parties in any sort, even like ride sharing companies down the line. You know, if you were to order an Uber, for example, there's three parties involved. There's the person who's looking for the lift. There's the company Uber and then the, the driver, right? You're not really paying the driver directly. Whereas with smart contracts, you can cut out that middleman. I think that's kind of an important, important thing. It's just, it's secure. I think you've kind of given us a good example of, of what smart contracts are. And yeah, so as you mentioned there, Sam, the whole trust thing, there's often this misconception that that blockchain is kind of the new internet. That's just, it couldn't be further from the truth. Blockchain is an application of the internet. So the problem with the internet was we removed face-to-face interactions. We, we, we removed kind of in-person meetings. We removed a lot of kind of, moments of verification and trust because it can be it, i mean i'll admit and i'm sure you, you can admit as well sam it can be hard to trust somebody you don't know online but with the blockchain you're getting the most trustworthy most um kind of the deepest amount of verification possible online yeah okay and i think that's a good point to move on then um so another thing we were going to talk about is oracle coins uh, and this can be maybe a little bit more of a complicated instrument you know so i hope you're hope you're still with us uh, so James, what is an Oracle coin? What does it do? And again, why should anyone care? Yeah, so this is where it is going to start to get a bit more techy and a bit more kind of in-depth. So really what an Oracle coin does is takes real-world information and puts it on the chain, so on the blockchain. So and what I mean real-world, what I mean, sorry, what I mean when I say real-world information is any information that's not naturally contained on the blockchain. So we're talking weather, surveys, political results, you know, anything that is kind of any information that's taken down off chain. And yeah, so really like a, I mentioned their political results. This is kind of an interesting thing. And we saw this more so than ever in the 2020 US elections where there was numerous kind of accusations of voter fraud, of, you know, unverified ballots, things like that. So these are kind of real world events where trust is required and validation is required. And it can be often hard to trust information when it's taken down by people because innately people make mistakes we're not perfect we're not machines we're not designed to store and handle this large amount of information so imagine kind of a political party they win an election but the opposition kind of they accuse voter fraud which is exactly what happened in america well if we could use an oracle coin and an oracle blockchain specifically to verify those results you're almost getting a guaranteed outcome because, like I said, the blockchain is the most trustworthy technological system ever created. Okay, that's that's a pretty good explanation of what an Oracle coin actually is then. And I kind of think, you know, based on what you said there, they could be pretty good for businesses that, like you said, any external information that isn't already on the blockchain, any data can just be uploaded there through these Oracle coins. And I think, you know, it's definitely one of the more technical aspects of the space. Um, but it's important to note that not all... Not all blockchain tech is an Oracle coin or a smart contract, you know, and get into the the crumbs of crypto technology, you know, as everyone knows, the payment systems, that's kind of one that most people would know about, you know, Bitcoin's a peer-to-peer transaction blockchain. It could be other things as well, of course, as, as we would have talked about in our first podcast. But so then James, so we've talked about then Oracle coins and then kind of the last thing I want to talk about, you know. The, the crumbs, the bread and butter of crypto is payment systems, you know. This is your peer-to-peer transactions, like on Bitcoin, you know. That's what most people, when you ask, what is the blockchain? Anyone that's a little bit in the know would kind of refer you to a payment system blockchain, which is, 
it's a secure way to transfer to transfer value. But talk to me a little bit about it, James. You know, you, you, I believe there's there's some big backing in the likes of like Visa and stuff for payment system blockchain. Yeah, so I'll get onto the whole Visa thing in a second now. But I mean, payment systems are probably the best real world application of where we've seen blockchain really make a difference. And, you know, this is further highlighted by El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender. You know, they want to make Bitcoin a transactional currency, which people everywhere, businesses accept and use. So we can see that it's really making dents around the world. And, you know, if governments are starting to accept it, well, then it's most likely it's most likely, you know, met its original purpose. But, you yeah, know, payment systems work really well because the one thing you need when two people are transacting is trust. I need to trust you that you will accept my currency and you need to trust me that I will give you the equivalent amount of currency. So the real thing here is, um, yeah, it's the original purpose of blockchain, trust meets payments. And it's such a good application of where we can see blockchain going down the line. And just with that whole Visa thing you mentioned, Sam, so as all our listeners will be aware, everybody carries a Visa card most likely in their back pocket, in their wallet. I mean, it's, it's the most used payment system in the world and specifically payment network. And Visa recently partnered with USDC, which is a, a stablecoin made by a company called Circle, to settle transactions on the network using stablecoins, which is, you know, it's huge because, you know, I don't know what percentage of worldwide payments are made on the Visa network, but we can you know, we can assume it's probably at least 10%, is it? You know, Visa, MasterCard, um, American Express, they're probably the three biggest payment networks in the world. And Visa is the biggest one out of them all. So we, if I if I was to assume 10% of all world transactions take place on the Visa network, we can then start to assume and say, well, that's a, that there's a potential for 10% of world transactions to be settled using USDC, which is just, it's huge. It's kind of, it's it's the next phase of payments around the world. And when you can trust um, the network so much so, you know, there's no reason why um, why you shouldn't trust it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's a good explanation of payment systems. And like I said at the start, kind of everyone kind of, that's what people would assume when you're saying blockchain, that's kind of what it is. And that's it. the USDC point is quite interesting as well. You know, it's interesting as well that like not only is it the world reserve currency, the dollar, but if, if so many global transactions are going to be settled on a, on a visa blockchain using USDC, essentially digital USD, digital dollar is becoming the world reserve currency in, in, in some sort of way as well. And I think that's an interesting way to, to kind of wrap things up a little bit there. You know, we kind of talked about the varying, the varying degrees of how the blockchain can be used, you know, smart contracts, Oracle coins, um, and kind of a little bit about the real world cases uh, behind them. Um, yeah, I think uh, Oracle coins are definitely one to, to watch out for as well. Uh, any closing thoughts, James? You know, just on the whole Oracle coin thing there as well. I mean, I my personal belief is that our coin, Oracle coins are one of the best real world case um, kind of case studies for blockchain. And there's actually there's a really interesting coin that um, we have exposure to in one of our funds in the 15 cap index called VeChain. And what VeChain are trying to do is they're trying to take supply chain data and put it on a blockchain. And if any of you remember, I think it was about six years ago. I think it was Intel and Apple got in a lot of trouble because they couldn't verify the source of the raw materials used in their microchips. And we all famously remember that they were coming from child, uh, child mined cobalt mines, I think in Central Africa, in Congo. And, you know, the fact that these humongous US tech companies couldn't verify the source of their materials just shows a whole asymmetry of information on the worldwide kind of um, supply chain. 
And again, that kind of plays into as well last week's ESG episode where we kind of talked about holding companies accountable. Using blockchain technology where you're verifying every step in the way in the supply chain, you can now hold the likes of Apple accountable for, okay, this came from an unethical location and they can answer for that. You know, consumers have more visibility and accessibility to the inside workings of companies and the transparency of uh of everything you know I, I think it's i think it's definitely useful especially just from the consumer and like the blockchain is kind of just it, it's it's very it's like i see it like democracy you know like it's people there's no longer you know a controlling force blockchain puts the power in the hands of the people and i think it's quite um i mean that's kind of why people talk about maybe it being a little bit libertarian you know and i guess in, in many cases it is but anyway we'll maybe talk about that in another episode Thanks for joining us again, James, and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Yeah, see you guys soon. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And as we mentioned, this is episode five. And, you know, we're just really happy to be talking every week about blockchain, about crypto, about our thoughts on it, and just kind of further expanding the whole knowledge available in this space. And yeah, you know, you can catch kind of all our blogs where we talk about this more on our website gigabyteinvestment.com uh, we share those to our twitter at gigabyteinvest and also on our linkedin which is just gigabyte investment and yeah no we'll definitely catch you next week